Oh, hey, you're listening to Pep Talk, a podcast launched during the national lockdown in April 2020 to celebrate and support our favourite New Zealand businesses. Join Grace Creft, ex-lawyer and former owner of Sweet Bakery and Cakery, to hear about how some of our favourite businesses built their brands, the ups and downs along the way, and what we can do to support them, both now and once business as usual returns. So, are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. everybody welcome to the most delicious and colorful episode of pep talk because today i have the pleasure of talking to shoba and kieran the mother-daughter team behind the beautiful pass it on cookbook it had always been mum shoba's dream to write a family cookbook full of traditional family recipes to curate and hold safe all of their family's wisdom to pass it on I guess to the younger generations so then when daughter Karen offered to help bring her mum's dream to life little did they know that by self-publishing a cookbook they were essentially starting a small business of their own welcome to the world of income and expenses and photographers and contractors and printers and stockists and everything (laughs) I'm so interested to chat with this wonderful duo and find out more about why they decided to self-publish their book, what the experience has been like, and what they've learned along the way. I know this is going to be such an inspiring chat, full of nuggets of gold and wisdom, just like these two. And who knows, if you have like a project or an idea brewing in your mind that you've always dreamed of, Shoba and Kieran's story might just inspire you to see what happens when you bring it to life yourself. So let's find out more. Welcome, welcome Shoba and Kieran. Thank you so much for coming on to Pep Talk for a chat with me. How are you guys going? Oh. Hello Grace. We're Hi, so Grace. good. Thank you for having us. Good. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited to hear all about this. To get started, you've probably heard we always kick off these Pep Talk chats with some this or that questions. So these are just like quick fire impulse choices between two things so that we can kind of get to know you guys a little bit. So I've chosen some for you guys uh, and you get to do one at a time. You get to swap between you. All right. So first up, we've got Shoba. You're first up. We've got, and this is maybe a little bit mean for you but I always try and pick a few difficult ones uh (laughs) herbs or spices spices (laughs) maybe actually not that difficult no (laughs) you're gonna have a bit of spice in your life (laughs) yeah and your cooking is obviously all about the spices so that makes perfect sense all right Karen your turn we've got another cooking related one I've gone with follow a recipe or go freestyle oh that's a tricky one um I think both. It depends what it is. I love baking as well. So when Mm. it's baking, I love definitely have to follow a recipe. But sometimes I feel like I can take a bit of a risk if it's it's savory and go a bit freehand. Yeah, that's so true. Baking is much more scientific and, yeah, you can't really, like, freestyle on baking soda or things go very wrong. (laughs) Definitely not. Add a cup of baking soda. (laughs) Yeah, we've all been there. (laughs) All right, next one for you, Shoba. We've got drawing or painting, or neither. Yeah, drawing for me. Are you a bit of an artist? Uh, yeah, I can be a little bit creative. I like to be creative. I used to do a little bit of um, painting or um, a little bit of art with an um, artist at home. 
just just as a bit of fun mm-hmm. for my girls. Oh, that's so that, cool. that was a wee while ago now, but um, she taught us quite a few amazing techniques. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that when I thought of that question. It just popped into my head for you. So maybe I just got a vibe that you were going to be creative from that. All right, next one for you, Karen. We've got go shopping or go to the beach. <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. I love both. Um, I know, me too. <laughs> yeah, that's really tough. Uh, shopping, if it's a, like boutique shops and it's outdoors, um, I don't really like going to malls, mm. but yeah and it depends how nice the sand is on the beach i think (laughs) (laughs) oh we can dream i feel like being in winter and with everything going on we're so far away from the beach right now it just it's a dream winter i think winter's maybe my favorite season like a really good stormy day with lots of wind and rain (laughs) yes that's cool i feel like that's quite an unpopular favorite season but i'm kind of the same like i love like cuddling up with the fire on and wearing big scarves and things. All right, last one we'll do. Shroba, we've got one for you. Go on a cruise or travel on a plane? Plane. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been on a cruise or just not for you? No, I don't think it's really for me. Um, and all these things that I've heard about the cruises recently. <laughs> of course. A bit of a tune-off, but... <laughs> Hey guys, Grace here. I am just popping into the chat quickly to let you know that this episode has been very wonderfully brought to you thanks to our sponsor of Pep Talk, Hatch. It's so cool to have these guys on board supporting Pep Talk. I love what they are doing and it's pretty cool that the feeling is mutual. If you want to hear a bit more about Hatch and what it's all about, you can find the full story from the co-founder Kristen back on episode 17 of Pep Talk. I promise it's a goodie. You can also head to hatch.as slash peptalknz to set up an account and you will get an extra $20 in your account when you top up $100. So that's a nice little bonus as well. I am loving exploring the Hatch platform for my own share buying adventures too. I'm definitely still at rookie level, but it's cool to have some shares in there and just keeping an eye on what they get up to. The Hatch team are also really good at sending updates every week on what's happening in the market, which is really handy for people like me who have more thoughts than minutes in the day and just need like a bite-sized update. They also have really handy getting started tutorials and whatnot on their website, so make sure you check those out as well. I will be sure to keep you up to date on my Hatch adventures and see what happens with my shares from here. Remember, head to hatch.as slash peptalknz to sign up and have a play around for yourself. And now, back to my chat. All right, so you're off the hook with your questions. You did very well. And um, to kind of begin our chats and hearing all of the story, I, I generally like to start off with a bit of a personal background before we dive into business. But I was thinking, like, for you guys, I feel like your personal story is just so interwoven with what you guys have created. So I think maybe the best starting point will be to hear a little bit about the background of how you kind of came up with this idea for the cookbook and where this all started with your family and the generations I'd I'd love to kind of hear the origin story of everything from you guys yeah so it's quite interesting it was such a natural way that this all came about um I guess a long time ago so many friends and family members that always said to mum like have you ever thought about writing a cookbook and I guess you know so many people asked that in the past um but the idea never really kicked off 
And so this happened quite a long time ago and lots of people kept asking. And then I got home from work one day and I saw mum sitting on the dining table and I said to her, she looked maybe a little bit bored, and I said to her, hey mum, like, why don't you start uh, writing your cookbook and I'll help you. And so that's really kind of where the main, like where we actually, yeah. that became a more serious thought. So yeah. literally that evening mum got out her phone and started writing a list of potential recipes that could be in the cookbook and that's probably the main part of where it all started. But yeah. I think as well that like, where it all came about and the reason why so many people used to ask her was because our family recipes have never been written down, like the way that we're taught to cook and the Indian Gujarati culture is never with the recipe. Like we always get taught using our senses. So you kind of visually know when to put something in or you just chuck in a little bit of this. Um, and even when you kind of ask mum, or how do you cook something? There's never a recipe. It's, it's, oh, you know, just put a little bit of that in and you, you ask, you know, what does that mean? Is it a teaspoon or is that a cup? Yeah. And so that all kind of added to the reasoning of why we wanted to do it, to preserve it and yeah. to keep passing down our recipes um, and hence the name Pass It On as well. I, I think too, like when I was growing up, um, it was more cultural, like it was more tight-knit community and more cultural. And then as the community has grown bigger and things have become more westernised and so um, we have to preserve our culture. And so that was another reason why I wanted to do this as well. But mainly I wanted, um, initially I just wanted to do it for my girls and then when we started writing and then we realised, um, Kieran said, or even when I was looking at her photos and stuff, I, she came to me and she says, oh, let's um, publish it. And so then that's when we went ahead and we did that. So um, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves yeah, into. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And I love that you guys had the foresight to actually do that because I think a lot of times, you know, like I'm looking back at, at – at baking with my grandma and I wish I had her recipes but it's just one of those things that you you kind of think oh one day you know one day I'll write the family history or one day I'll write down all these recipes that are in my head and I just love that you guys did that and you didn't do it by halves you like you went all in you're like this is going to be beautiful and special and we're going to share it beyond our family and yeah There's so many other like the way that other Indian or Gujarati people have seen it as well it's it's been really nice for them as well because I guess we all cook quite similarly. Like there might be some differences, but it's been really nice for them as well because it's kind of like, oh, that's reminded them of their mum or their grandma mm. and it's yeah. been yeah. so special. Yeah, seeing that special part of their culture kind of come to life in that format is, yeah, really special broadly speaking as well. I guess what kind of turned this cookbook idea into like a business kind of so to speak is that you guys decided to publish this yourself to like self-publish the Pass It On cookbook and so I'm really interested to hear a bit about this process and what this was like for you guys and I guess the first thing that might be helpful for people listening is to maybe explain to us the difference between what it practically means like the difference between self-publishing versus working with a publisher and um, what that actually means and how it's different and also why you decided to make that decision to do it yourself yeah for sure and when we first started we had no clue what the different options were like we, <laughs> yeah. we started and 
you know, as, as mum started writing recipes and as I started taking the photos, we thought, oh, you know, instead of just writing this for my two sisters and I, let's um, write it for everyone. And how do we do that? <laughs> um, and so that's when we discovered the two options. So you could either go through a publishing company, so somebody like Penguin Random House, or you can self-publish it. So I did a bit of research and we came to find that like, there are so many pros and cons to both approaches, but when you go through a publishing company, um, they've got so much experience. Like they've got a whole company dedicated to help you bring your idea to life. So they've got all the publishers, the proofreaders, the copy editors, the designers, potentially like contacts for food photographers. Like they've just got so much expertise and they, they do this as their day job, like before, all the yeah. time and, you know, printing books for people like Nadia Lim and all these other incredible um, chefs and home cooks out there. And so with that approach, I guess it's a bit more hands-off for you because you kind of rely on them to bring your idea to life. Um, and it's great too because I guess they've already built relationships with bookstores. So once you've actually got your product and your books printed, you can go out and you don't really have to worry about that step after it's published of trying to sell it and trying to form mm. those relationships with bookstores. They do a lot of that for you. Um, so I guess it's a little bit less risky um, but then there's another side uh, of self-publishing, which is essentially you do all of that yourself, which is very risky. Um, but after investigating that option a lot, the reason why we wanted to do it all, all ourselves was because um, we found that there's a lot more creative control with self-publishing. So when you self-publish, you make every decision. So you can decide what paper type you want or what binding you want or what your cover looks like like you've got and if you've also got as much time as you want to do that all yourself whereas um maybe if you if you go through a publishing company you don't really have that control or that decision making or you might have some uh restricted timelines um so there's totally pros and cons to both i guess it depends what what suits you better but at the end of the day because our cookbook um, is very authentic and we really wanted to kind of be in control of that creative side and not lose that authenticity and we had a pretty vivid mm. idea as well of what our cover wanted to be and you know the look and feel that we wanted like really vibrant and bright to almost feel like you're in Gujarat when you pick up our book so because we had a really clear idea and we also knew an amazing designer that could help us bring that to life um yeah, that's why we decided to self-publish and just go ahead and take the risk. <laughs> mm, I, like, I like that. And, yeah, it makes total sense for a project like this that is so personal. Like, the fact that it even started as just being for your daughters. And then, you know, it would have been very strange for you to kind of hand that over to essentially some strangers and being like, bring this to life. Whereas it, it's, it's from within you, like it's part of you. So, it, yeah, it makes total sense when you describe it like that. I think it allowed us to be quite innovative as well mm. and I think that's key as well like with business you try to differentiate yourself and you know if if you've seen our book it's super bright and it you could I've never seen another pink bright pink <laughs> book like on the shelf with gold pages and yeah you know it kind of allowed us to get a bit creative and like think a little mm. bit outside the box for how we wanted it to be and mm. you know sometimes yeah we just felt like 
to get that point of differentiation mm. that really let us do that. It was a lot yeah. of fun too. We had so much fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, even though we did really long hours, we were up till three in the morning some nights. Wow. Plus working as well and... Yeah, lots of cocktails and chocolate. <laughs> well, like, how would you stay awake this late? So yeah, yeah. There were there were lots of lows and lots of highs there, though. Weren't there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The the kind of decision because obviously at the beginning you had an idea of what it would be like to self publish and why that was important for you. Do you reckon that that's played out as you were expecting? Like, has the reality lived up to what you know your Google searches at the start as to how this would work? I think it's I think it's exceeded far exceeded what I expect. Yeah, what I expected. I just um, just the comeback and everything of it has just been amazing, and the feedback from people, and you know, just see every time somebody orders our book, and yeah, it's just so so nice. Yeah. And everybody, most people that order the book, they want a private message in it, which is really cool. So we love doing that. Yeah, so it's really nice. I think as well, like there was so much learning as we went so you know I might have had one idea or we might have had one idea about what it meant to self-publish at at the start but then you did more and more research and you kept finding out more and more along the way and I mean even things like oh goodness we need a barcode like who would have even thought yeah. that you need to yeah. look at that um and just the little things like that that we didn't know you know we actually didn't really know much at all at the start mm -hmm. of what needed to be done with self-publishing I mean, even even things like gosh christmas is coming up oh, yeah. like <laughs> we're getting these books in november and we've only got a month till christmas like let's try and figure out pre-sales and like try and get into stores before we even have the book um so just things like that that you just have to prepare and pro be really proactive about mm, and that's quite similar to business in general i think because you know you've likened it to, to the a small business and it's so true because when you start out you really have no idea what what you're getting into and there's so many parts that you don't know you're going to have to tackle until they come up and then you're like okay we'll figure out barcodes <laughs> we'll just do that one thing at a time and and it all comes together and I guess the other thing with the self-publishing I, I guess part of it is the money side of things I don't know how it all works back end but I'm guessing if you're self-publishing it means that you're funding it yourself from the beginning you know no one's giving you like an advance to work on it or or things like that so how did that side of things work for you guys like did you have to borrow or crowdfund or something to kind of get it all to come to life in the first place yeah so that was another thing um <laughs> no we just put in we just put in what we had and cool. it's probably I don't know about you mum but it was the biggest risk that I've probably ever taken <laughs> not my biggest risk <laughs> but it's interesting so like I remember having this call to somebody on the phone you know when it was very much an idea stage and I had a chat to this person I think she was a publisher and she said don't um don't self-publish you're gonna waste at least 30 grand like you're gonna lose it all never do it um and it's it's so interesting I guess it's it was a bit of ne a negative conversation but you kind of have to take the positive spin on that and try and get the benefit of it and you know think really hard about your decision and um but yeah we did take the risk anyway and it, mm. it's all worked out so it's mm. I, I think too it's because it's such a unique book um and we've stayed focused with the whole thing and our designer was she just went over and above she was mm. amazing and 
Mm. Yeah, I think all of us work together really well. Yeah, like you say, it might not be the risk that you take on just anything, but I guess knowing how special it was and how special it was going to be, it was you could kind of take a bit of an educated guess about how fantastic it would be. And you guys have executed it, you know, so carefully and um, treated it with so much care. I guess that's all part of the the success of it. And but yeah, I guess it, like it is a risk. Imagine if you'd printed all of them and they were all sitting in the spare room and no one, no one ordered them, and that would be very stressful. So you guys did an amazing job taking a risk on that, and it's so cool that it's paid off. Yeah, we also had lots of support from family and friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were amazing, you know, with the translation and you know just giving us. Um, their dishes and stuff like that. <laughs> that kind of alludes to the fact that this this whole thing is not just you two. Like it's a whole team, a whole community, and your family. Uh, and I'm I'm really keen to hear a few things on that because I I'd love to hear a bit about the the mother daughter aspect of it and how that's been for you guys because that's a really special part of it. You know the whole the whole concept is pass it on and um, you know from generation to generation and and between you guys. So how did that all play out um, in real you know real life bringing it together like has there, have there been challenges of working together and who's in who's in charge who makes all the decisions <laughs> I think Kieran was <laughs> Kieran's Kieran's just amazing she was just so good to work with Aww. and she's had the whole thing yeah she's just she just got it if I have any problems I just say Kieran and it's sorted <laughs> so we've had a lot of fun together it's been amazing it's been a great journey I highly recommend it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think as well, like we both had different skill sets and they complemented each other yeah. so well. Like, mum, amazing in the kitchen, like her dedication and all of the time spent to cook and test and, Retest. you know, I, I made a bit of mistakes with photography for the first few rounds. So <laughs> that meant like she had to cook everything again. Like, you know, it wasn't so. one time, it was three, Karen. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know she did more that side and I did the other side um and so I think the two just blended so well together yeah it really sounds like that I uh, Karen do you have a background in like in project management or design or anything like that like what's your background personally not so much does not design at all maybe a little bit of project management so I studied a commerce degree with information systems and management um and I work at zero at the moment and the world of change management Uh, so I guess I'm exposed to a lot of uh, project management as well Mm, yeah um but yeah I just absolutely loved that side of it um managing the project kind of seeing it from start to finish and you know organizing our freelancers and getting the tasks sorted and yeah dealing with different stakeholders like it was uh but we kind of alluded to it a little bit but in terms of kind of bringing it bringing this to life like you've got the decision to to self-publish you've got your funding you've mum and daughter are both on board I'm really interested to hear like now what like there must be a lot to it behind the recipes of course the recipes are like the kind of cornerstone of everything uh, of the whole cookbook but you like you've kind of told us you need to work with photographers and proofreaders and printers and recipe testers so tell me a bit about how you kind of bought brought that community together and what that process was like actually bringing it to life yeah so there were quite a few different roles I guess that needed to be played um with the photography I thought I'm not a food photographer but I thought I'd give it a crack and you know see 
see what we could do ourselves because I guess it's a cheaper if we can do as much as we can on our own because people like photographers are super expensive um but b as well like doing most of it ourselves because it's such a special family cookbook so we really wanted to do most of it ourselves and so um I guess what to help manage it because there were so many different tasks that needed to be done in parallel um you know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's do the photography, get to the end of the photography, and then start the next step. It was like, okay, while the photography was being done, mum needed to write the recipes and test the recipes, and we might uh, needed to start sorting out things like the paper quality with the printing company or start to even source a printing company and find that um, while finding some other freelancers to help with some of the other skills gaps, like um, we needed a copy editor to help... Um, you know, have that second pair of eyes to look at the consistency of the text and, you know, make sure in one recipe, say we use coriander, we didn't refer to it as cilantro in, in another recipe. Um, and so, yeah, kind of having a really good understanding of everything in advance, um, as much as we could, of course, we can't think of everything for further on the track, otherwise we'll be super overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, just trying to organize all the different tasks and doing that, trying to do them at the right time. Um, but yeah, with the photography, just started learning just from Google as well. Like mm. I found a YouTube, um, a YouTube channel called The Bite Shot, and that's how I learned all about food photography. Wow, I didn't realize that you you didn't have a background, you know, in it really. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah, well, you should have seen the first few rounds. The photos were terrible. <laughs> That's why there was three no, rounds. Yeah. <laughs> just like trying as well, I think, is part of it because a lot of people would be so intimidated. They'd be like, well, I, you know, I can never do that. But I just love that you just tried it and see what happens. And then if it's not quite right, you tweak it and you try again. And that's just why it's all worked out so beautifully, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you just learn so much along the way too, which was so exciting. Mm. Like, you know, amazing things like YouTube or um, – yeah, actually the photos were all taken in a bedroom as well because in the kitchen um, the lighting wasn't good. So in our kitchen there's yeah. windows all around and so light's coming from a million different directions, which is not good for shadows. <laughs> um, you just need light from one source. So shooting it in a bedroom with a massive window meant a huge amount of light was like coming into the room with great shadows. So just thinking about little things like that as well. Hmm, you've learned so much you've got all these skills now it's amazing cool and we kind of talked about the recipes which I'd love to hear more about because you talked a bit at the start about translating those and things and I know being a baker myself it's kind of interesting to hear how you turn those recipes into a book because especially cooking like yours that's passed down from person to person verbally rather than being written down and is kind of like intuitive I guess like from your from your heart and and your senses, like you say, uh, most of your recipes have never been written down before. So w was it really hard for you guys, especially you, Shoba, to, to take these recipes that are second nature and get the words out <laughs> and the steps so that everyday people like me who've never cooked dishes like this before can kind of follow them and have a good dish at the end of it? Was that really tricky? Yeah, it was because I'm just so used to um, throwing the spices in and just mm. freehanding. And so I'd start cooking and then um, I'd measure some things and then I'd forget to measure something else and then I'd have to retest the whole thing again. 
so that was quite annoying and um, some recipes I just couldn't get right um, so I'd have to oh, it took me about 10 or, 10 or more goes to have a to get it right Wow. Yeah. But um, yeah, I got there in the end. But yeah, you know, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Some of them. I go to sleep at night, and that's what I dream of was oh. this recipe. <laughs> and your family's like, "Do we have to eat this one again tonight?" <laughs> no, that was a good thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we got really fat too, which was really bad. <laughs> a lot of good food around your house. I'm sure there is normally anyway, but even especially right now. Yeah, but it's just even like um trying to get the fresh masala recipe like how to translate that into a recipe like because yeah you can either put it as fresh masala or you can make up a table and show how much ginger garlic and chili was in it mm. so that's how we got around that one so that worked well even, even the other parts of the recipe like because it's a family cookbook we really wanted to make sure that not just at the start we had mum's story but all throughout the whole book and leaving that through so for every recipe or as many as mum could remember like trying to get her to think back to her childhood and growing up and you know what that recipe meant you know ages ago and trying to weave that story throughout the book as well so mm. just all the different components and elements to a recipe that I mm. guess you don't really think about even dietary requirements and and I, and yeah. I think too like going back to my childhood and that like how they had um, where they got their spices from and their ginger garlic and chilies and and my dad would always say to mum um, and dad would always say, "Don't eat this, don't eat that." We weren't allowed to have takeaway, so they taught us to eat re and like to respect our body and to eat healthy. Yeah, it was quite amazing, and just how we used to cook. Like, um, we would use separate boards for vegetables and separate ones for our meats and stuff, and we couldn't use the same spoon to um, stir a veggie dish as what you would a meat dish. Yeah, so. Um, all these different things, but all of those um, techniques that they taught us has all become um, regulations and the food control plans and that now. And is it really cool for you, like, seeing people cooking these dishes? It must be really special, yeah. It's so cool, very cool. Yeah, they're, they're so interested as well. And I don't think it's just the food, it's the health benefits of um, what's in there, and it's just so healthy, like, there's no preservatives or additives in there as well. There's no yeah. cream as well. Yeah, there's no cream. So where we come from, we use mainly yogurt because we're in northwest India, whereas down south they use more um, coconut cream because that's where the coconut trees are. Also, Gujarat is mainly um, a vegetarian state. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess the people that are that are reading the book are really buying into not just the the recipes but the full story and the fact that you've shared so much of your history and where it's all come from is all part of it and like I know people who buy recipe books not to make the recipes just to like browse you know the beautiful pictures and the little bits of information and things in there so I guess you've kind of created like a coffee table book as well as a recipe book to some extent. That's right. Yeah there's something so different about having a physical copy like lots of people have said oh you know would you ever convert that to a pdf? Or, you know, could, could you make an online version? And we're like, oh, no, but <laughs> you can't get that full experience yeah. of a tangible cookbook. And, mm. you know, you wouldn't be able to see the gold pages or mm. the cover properly or just holding it. It's just such a different experience. Mm -hmm. Did you know the cover? Do you know about the cover? My mum-in-law, she was, um, she only just recently passed away. So 
the thought there was to have hands on the cover and we wanted her hands and then we wanted um like me and my girls and so we had all the different generations there but because we were all over the place it just didn't work mm. I really love the way it's turned out it's it's really beautiful yeah but it also tells the story without being really literal it's just like yeah I love the, the spices passing between the hands and and so I guess moving to kind of how you actually get the book out there because you've got you've got the beautiful cookbook and the amazing recipes but then like you said earlier you actually have to sell it when when you're when you're doing it yourself which I guess is a is the last stage you've got the beautiful book in your hands and then and then you've got to move on to kind of the hustle I guess if we call it that so what was that part of things like was it quite hard um or did people kind of just feel the spirit of it and get and get on board really quickly that was really hard I think I think I don't know about you mum but I totally underestimated how hard it would be to get into stores um I think as well like we had our products yeah and it was quite it, like the first time seeing those eight pallets arrive from that massive truck and you know, mm. physically seeing it all, you know, before it was just on a screen. <laughs> yeah. And then yep. they're all in a room and like we had to move all the beds out and the table and the desk and <laughs> carry them all in. Um and now we have to sell these all. Um that's quite scary I guess. Yeah. Um yeah. but uh before they even arrived, we tried really hard to try and get bookstores on board. Um, actually, Moore Wilson's was our first stockist, which is very exciting. <laughs> that's that's that, cool. Yeah. That was a really happy moment. Yeah. Um, but what we did was we created a blad. Well, Jess, our designer, um, she helped us create a blad, which is essentially like a digital copy of a sneak peek of your book. So it's got about wow. 10 pages. Um, you don't physically have the book yet, but you can use that to send to stores and email them. But yeah just getting in touch and emailing lots and lots of stores like ended up with spreadsheets <laughs> to try and track everything and um I think the key though was trying to create emotion when you're trying to get into this into the shops and trying to sell and trying to sell your story rather than your book um and yeah it was quite tough and you'd, you'd email people they won't email back and you know, three or four emails and follow-ups later, you still weren't here, so you try and call and, you know, they might be interested or they might not. So, um, so it is really tough, but as we slowly mm. build a bit of momentum, um, you know, we got to more and more stores, mainly Wellington to start with because it was easier to physically go to stores and actually mm. it was easier to create that emotion more because you were there with the store owner yeah. and you could you know, even show them a copy because we got some pre-copies as well um, before the whole shipment arrived. So, yeah, that that was tough. But as we got more and more stores on board, it became easier because we could build out our website and, you know, started to get into some media articles. So mm. all of that over time, I guess, added some credibility that helped. Yeah, we had our nine store as well. Um, so with sales from our online store, we donated a portion of foundation mm, I saw that. that's yeah. really special that you could yeah. do that yeah. yeah so that was uh, it's really nice to give back mm. yeah and nice for people to buy directly from you as well as having it as an option out and then also like you said they get a personalized message or or something it builds the experience 
That's yeah, right. Yeah, signing it with our gold pens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I guess you kind of, you've also done a really nice job of building out of the, the kind of personal marketing side of things with it because you've got to get into bookshops uh, is like stage one, but then you also need people to choose it. And a big part of that is just how special it looks and that will do itself. But you, like you say, you, you've, you've done media and you've got your Instagram and you've kind of, you're trying to build all, all of that out into a brand basically that you've created for this book. So I think that's been a really successful part of it as well and will have helped people just get that recognition because you, you often need so many touch points with someone before they'll make a decision to buy. It's not just seeing it once and buying it. So that's all part of the picture that you guys have done, done really well. Is that, did that come from you, Karen, from your, some of your kind of past experience? Um, I think a lot of learning as we went. I had a little bit of experience maybe with social media because I used to sell cakes um, as a separate thing a while ago. So I did a little bit of social media marketing then, but it wasn't anything to this extent extent, maybe. Yeah, I didn't know that. You're a cake seller too. (laughs) Not as big as um, your bakery though. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, But with that, I guess that was actually quite nice a nice little project that I had before, Mm. you know, when I was still at uni and working part-time at a retail and that kind of thing. Um, I did that. And so little projects like that in the past as well kind of exposed me to what social media could, like marketing is like and, Mm. you know, made it not so scary when when I did it now. But it's still really challenging. Um, Mm. And I think the thing I didn't realise was the continual effort of marketing and it's not just, like you say, it's not just, oh, people see it once and buy it. It's, okay, well, what are all the different touch points? Like um, social media marketing or, you know, getting into magazines. Um, videos. We did a lot of videos over COVID. Yeah, we did a lot of videos, like tutorials to make recipes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's such a big, like, picture, like I say, and each little bit of it adds up. Um, but it's quite hard because you want to see results and you want to see one thing working and be like, well, that led to this many sales and that led to this many and so we'll do more of that. But it's so not that simple. It's kind of like you have to trust that each little bit will work when you bring it all together and you're just consistent and regular and all of that, like you say. That's so true. And I think just taking opportunities of when they come along, um, even things like going to markets and fairs. Like mm-hmm. Over summer we went to the Newtown Festival and Martinborough Fair, and um, it's just so cool going to those because mm. you get that one-on-one interaction with your customers, and, again, you can share your story on a more personal level. Yeah, yeah, and they can meet you, yeah. yeah. We even had one customer that came, um, she was from America, and she saw our book, and but she didn't have space in her luggage, and so she contacted us after she got back to America, and we sent a book over to her. Wow, that's very powerful! Like to go to that extent, they must be yeah, they must have been really moved by it all. A bit of overseas um, mm. queries, and we've even just got one recently from Japan, which is quite nice. Mm. Yeah, so we're getting spreading it spreading far it. all we're around the world. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're passing it on. (laughs) (laughs) Literally and figuratively. I like it. And I'm kind of interested to know, like we've, you know, I've heard the whole journey and everything and about your decision to self-publish. And I'm interested to ask, knowing what you know now about self-publishing and cookbooks and creating this, would you do it again? (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go, Mum. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a hard question. I think it was a lot of fun when I look back on it now. I think I think so. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a really cool journey. I, totally I mean, I'm so that. lucky that I got to do it with Kieran. I'm just so lucky. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, without who I could not have done it. I think both ways. Like, I'm um, so super lucky too, and I couldn't have. I mean, I needed the recipes, otherwise I couldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't just using you for your recipes. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm the same. Like, um, I definitely would self-publish again if I was to do it again. Mm. But even just all the business skills I've learned and whether to apply that to something else that maybe isn't a book, um, that's just so And great. helping other people make it as well because you've had a lot of queries, haven't you? Yeah, lots of people saying, hey, yeah. how do you self-publish? Or I've got an idea for a book, like what do I do? And yeah. we've also written a blog on our website which has the key stages, not not absolutely everything, but kind of the key stages that you should think about or that you generally have to do. Um, so we've mm. documented that all down as well. Oh, that's valuable. Yeah, that you can do that. Yeah. And do you think that you would do, like, future-wise, is the book kind of like a one-and-done situation, like it was a project and you're happy with it and it's finished, or do you kind of use the momentum to kind of keep building the brand and do another cookbook or, like, a TV series of cooking lessons or what is the future? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, I wouldn't mind doing one more book, but I want to do this only for my girls. Um. But it won't be just authentic recipes. It'll be recipes that my mum taught me, like um, how to make pastry and how to do uh, my apple yeah, pie yeah. and that sort of thing. Yes. Just yeah, um, our family recipes like that. Mm. Um, and maybe look at cooking lessons. Cool. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, that it is. so fun. Yeah. 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 And I think, too, we're just in the process of setting up international shipping. So we're very nearly there. That's right. Um, And, yeah, hopefully it's one of those things that you think, oh, yeah, that will take me a day to set up. And then (laughs) two months later. (laughs) Nothing's ever that simple. Yeah. So, and then I think just taking the opportunities as they come, like, you know, chatting to awesome people like you. Yeah. Yeah. Getting through the getting through all the books still as well and maybe some more markets and things like that. Yeah. Now and again, Kieran will go into the room and take a photo of the room and see how the piles are going down. <laughs> <laughs> but just recently they've just like, it's just seemed to have gone down so fast, isn't it? It's mm. just flying out. So That's good. And I always kind of end uh, at the end of the chats hearing a bit about COVID and everything that's happening in the world right now. Um, Of course, things have kind of chilled out a little bit here in terms of everything, touch wood, that's going on. Uh, But it's still really interesting to hear what the impact of that time was like for projects and businesses like you guys are doing. So did you guys find that things slowed down a bit during lockdown? Because I guess stockists were closed and people weren't buying stock and things. What, what, What did that look like for you? Yeah, so I guess before COVID, our main sales were going through shops. So all of our stockists across the country, obviously, you know, had to stop for a while. Um, And so I guess we were impacted in that way. We couldn't really supply our stores who were our main customers at the time. Um, And so we had to think really hard, like, how are we going to get more online sales? Because we could still operate, um, not the whole time one time it was fully locked down, but mm. when we could start to do um, some online sales, um, 
we had to really push that. And so Mother's Day was over that time as well. And we thought, okay, this is a great opportunity. Let's get a little bit creative and see what we can do to try and boost our online sales. So we started to film some tutorials. So just super quick, one Mm. minute long tutorials and we'd give away some recipes and some easy recipes too, like our Rotley bread, which is essentially like four basic ingredients that everyone should have at home. Um, Like giving away things like that and showing people how to do it so they can they can make the most of that and running a Mother's Day competition giveaway and yeah, just trying to really learn more about social media marketing as well and trying to post things all the time and (laughs) try and get engagement up. Um, And it it worked. Like we did, we had Mm. quite a lot of sales over, over lockdown at home, um, which was so good. Like so many Mother's Day orders and so many really sweet personalized messages that would come along with them. Mm. Um, yeah. which was great. So yeah, in hindsight, like we, it, it did really well, like we did really well over lockdown. And yeah, I guess cause the, during that lockdown time, like we saw people were obviously at home a lot and we saw people do it, you know, everyone was learning to bake bread and make banana loaf and everything. So I guess that, that really helped you guys. Yeah. It was like people wanted new hobbies and it was like, well, this would be an awesome thing to learn while you've got a bit of time. On your yeah. Definitely. And you know, it's so exciting when people on Instagram and they tag you and, Oh, look, I've just made this from your cookbook. Um, you know, that's so exciting to yeah. see as well over lockdown. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like the fact that you're giving that to people during the challenging time and kind of giving them something new to try and keep things interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that has all been so fascinating to hear about. I just like a project like this, I am all about, and I just love that you've, you've taken it all on. And so before we wrap up, I would love to hear, I always like to end with some, a bit of advice or some tips or quotes or something that you've learned along the way. So I'm sure each of you have probably got some little nuggets that you can share with us. Uh-huh. Um, okay, I, I would say to uh, get fresh ingredients and use fresh ingredients, yeah, where you can. Okay. And don't forget to pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's um, I'd probably say, like, you know, if you've got an idea or if you've got something that you really want to do, like, it's always possible. So this was always mum's dream. Um and so if you just take little steps at a time, you know, try and not focus on absolutely everything at once, but, you know, just take little steps and, you know, you'll get there. So Perfect. I'm a big fan of that approach. Absolutely. And I, like I said, I just love that you guys have gone for it and you've just been like, we'll figure it out along the way. Yeah, yeah. And people are yeah. always available to help. Like, you know, at one point I thought, oh, you know, how am I going to do shipping or how am I going to sort out packaging and, I actually went to Roman from Fix and Fog because I went to his business talk on how he started Fix and Fog. Mm. And at the end, he said, oh, if anyone wants wants to chat, um, you know, get in touch. And so I actually did. <laughs> and, yeah, he was amazing and, you know, spent a good chunk of his day mm. just going through questions. So I think, you know, don't be afraid to ask and mm. people are so willing to help mm. you. Yeah, we're willing. We're willing, aren't we? Yeah, we're willing as well if anyone wants to publish a book. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, and that's very much part of Pass It On as well, I guess. You know, like you got that Roman passed some of his knowledge on to you and then you guys have learned all this and you'll help some more people. And it's obviously about the the food, but it's also so much bigger than that. So it's very special. I love it. (laughs) And it's nice if people have a dream, you can do it. 
Mm. Yeah, don't be put off. Dreams can come true. <laughs> they do come true. Yes. <laughs> we know you, that. You, you guys have totally shown that. So you're living it, which is really awesome. And thank you. Thank you for sharing a little slice of it with me. I, it's such a beautiful story and I've really loved hearing about it and just your spirit and everything you've shared is amazing. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Grace. Oh, it's nice you. of you to have us on your talk show.